Hi everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts from Property Apprentice. Join me today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Topics for this week on stuff on the 24th of July. Here's what the gains on properties held for 40 years look like. Second topic on interest.co.nz, 26th of July. Statistics New Zealand says that the highest spending households are more affected by the rising mortgage rates. Third topic, one roof, 26th of July, too little, too late. Triple CFA changes, unlikely to help buyers, warn experts. Fourth topic, stuff, 25th of July, banks switch home loan battle focus. And last but not least, on one roof, 26th of July, what you'd need to sell your home for to fund your retirement. So we'll kick things off with the stuff article on the 24th of July. Here's what the gains on properties held for 40 years look like. A general observation is that property prices in New Zealand double around every 10 years, while the median length of time properties are held is around seven and a half to eight years. A recent home.co.nz analysis shows that people who've owned properties for longer than a couple of years are sitting on significant capital gains. As an example of how much property prices have grown, a Tauranga home held since 1980 has increased in value by 6,938% over time. CoreLogic offered several other examples in their database. They were able to go back to 1980 as the oldest date. A selection of homes from the main centres that were sold last sold on the market in 1980 and the sale price of those properties was compared to their current council capital value, CV. Here are some examples of properties held by their owners for more than four decades and their value increases from each of the main centres. Now bear in mind that CVs are often not a true indication as to what the market value of a property is. Sometimes the CVs can be higher than current market value, sometimes lower. But anyway, you'll get the picture. In Auckland, a property in Ferguson Street in Mungary East has been owned by the same owner since January 1980. It was bought for $27,500, but it now has a CV of $1.1 million. This is a gain of $1.07 million and a 3,900% increase. Had its value doubled every 10 years, the property would only be worth 440000 not the $1.07 million it is currently. The house was built in the 1970s on a 678-square-metre section, and it's got three bedrooms. Mungary East has got access to the southwestern motorway and is close to a hospital and the Monaco city centre. Recent sales numbers vary widely in the area because it's made up of a mix of development sections and houses on subdivided sections. However, a house sold in February was priced at $1.05 million. In Tauranga, a house on Grange Road in Otomotai was last sold on the market for 13000 in October 1980. It's now got a CV of 915000 the property saw a 6,938% increase. If the property value doubled every decade, it would be sitting at 208000 It's a three-bedroom house with a sea view on an 809-square-metre section. Recent comparable sales in the same street went for 977500 in March this year. Otomarai is a popular suburb as it's close to the beach and is close to schools. In Hamilton... In July 1980, a property at Rotokaru Road in Norton was sold for 27000 Today it's got a CV of $1.09 million. This is a difference of $1.06 million and an increase of 3,937%. 
If its value doubled every decade, it'd only be worth $432,000. Built in the 1960s, a three-bedroom house on a 1,011 square metre section, Norton's close to the Hamilton Zoo, a natural heritage park and water world. However, recent sales in the area are priced below the property's CV. A three-bedroom house on the same street sold for 737500 in March. A Wellington property in Abilene Crescent in Churchin Park sold for 42000 in March 1980. At present, it sits at $1.03 Three-bedroom standalone house built on 429 square metre section. The difference between the initial and the current value is 988000 That's a 2,532% increase. If that value had doubled every 10 years, the value would be at 672000 not 988. Churton Park's a relatively new suburb and has got easy access to the motorway and the Churton Park Reserve. Recent sales nearby include a three-bedroom house on the same street, which went for $1.18 million in February. In Dunedin, a property at Bedford Parade in Brighton sold for 14895 in May 1980. It's now got a CV of 510000 That's a dollar gain of $495,105 and a 3,323% increase. Its value would have been 238320 if it had doubled in value every 10 years. This was built in 1914 with three bedrooms on an 888-square-metre section. Brighton's 20 kilometres away from the CBD. A four-bedroom house on the same street sold for $1.1 million in April, while other recent sales in the area have sold closer to the half-million-dollar mark. This example from Christchurch reflects the smallest increase in value due to the earthquake's impact on the city's housing market and affordability. The property in Hurunui Street in Craycroft was bought in February 1980 for $34,000. Today it's got a CV of $445,000. While the difference is $411,000 and an increase of 1,208%, it's much less compared to gains elsewhere. It's also the only one where the CV is less than what the value would be if it had doubled every decade. So if it had doubled every decade, the value would be 544000 The three-bedroom house is on a 612-square-metre section near Port Hills. This suburb's close to shops, schools and a hospital. A recent three-bedroom house in the same street sold for $911,000 in November. CoreLogic Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson believes that any property last sold in 1980 would be worth a lot more than the owner paid for it. Anybody who's owned a property for 40 years is likely to be at least 60 to 65 years old now, so retirement and downsizing or moving somewhere cheaper does enable some cash to be freed up. However, New Zealanders tend to turn over property quickly. Around 53% of properties have their sale date within the last decade. Only 7% of properties with verified latest sales dates have been owned for more than 30 years. Property values doubling every 10 years isn't a golden rule, but rather a broad experience due to a combination of different factors. Davidson believes that since we're in a time of rising interest rates, we might enter a period where values don't double in the next 10 years. Second topic for this week in review, we've got interest.co.nz on the 26th of July. Statistics New Zealand says that the highest spending households are more affected by the rising mortgage rates. 
According to Statistics New Zealand, the average Kiwi household is faced with a 31% increase in mortgage rate costs in the past year. Stats New Zealand's Household Living Cost Price Index for the June quarter reveal that the highest spending households have been more affected by the large increases in the mortgage rates. The highest spending household group uses up around 7.3% of its finances on interest payments. The average household only spends 4.6%, while the lowest spending household spends 2%. Since last October, the Reserve Bank's been pumping up interest rates, and most of the rate hikes have taken place this year. The latest Stats New Zealand data show that interest costs increase over 10% in just the last quarter, between March and June. Mortgage interest rates may have reached its lowest point in June 2021, so the latest figures from Stats New Zealand capture its subsequent rise. The release of the Stats New Zealand figures comes after the release of the Consumer Price Index. Although it doesn't include interest costs, it does factor in rising costs of building, which has increased by 18%. The cost of living for the average household, as measured by the household living cost price indexes, increased 7.4% in the June 2022 quarter compared with the June 2021 quarter. The cost of living for highest spending households increased by 8.1%, while it increased 6.5% for the lowest spending households and beneficiaries. All the household groups faced their highest annual cost of living increase since the series began in 2008. The main contributors to the increase for all household groups are higher prices for housing and petrol. Lowest spending households and beneficiary households spend more for petrol and rent in addition to groceries and interest payments. Beneficiary households spend about one third of their income on rent and this compares with about 14% for the average household and about 5% for highest spending households. Therefore, increases in the cost of rent impact beneficiary households more than any other household group. Want to learn more about the property market and what's happening right now? Join me at one of our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investment events available online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. Third topic for this week in review, on one roof, 26th of July, too little too late. Triple CFA changes unlikely to help buyers warn experts. Experts told One Roof that the government's move to undo some changes to the triple CFA may be too little too late. Mortgage brokers and economists believe that buyers who were turned down from financing or were approved for much lower limits due to the changes made to the triple CFA in December would still lose out because of rising interest rates and higher test rates by banks. The average two-year fixed mortgage rate in June 2021 was 3.47%, compared to 5.99% at the end of June 2022, which has locked some buyers out who would have qualified prior to the triple CFA changes in December. At present, borrowers are being stress-tested at around 7% or more to make sure that they can afford to pay if interest rates rise, and some people just won't pass that test. The changes to the triple CFA which were imposed in December were aimed at stopping predatory lending practices. However, since the regulations required senior management of all lending institutions to be personally liable for irresponsible practices, banks have taken on a conservative approach to lending. 
buyers were assessed more harshly than they had been before the changes, with banks treating previous spending habits as future spending habits. Stories soon appeared of applications being rejected because of spending on takeaways or gym memberships, and in a few cases, KiwiSaver contributions were also classified as an expenditure. Fierce criticism from mortgage brokers, agents and the banks themselves urged Commerce and Consumer Affairs Minister David Clark to review the rules. Since then, some of the harsher requirements were removed. Jeff Royal, mortgage advisor at iLender, said he noticed recently that banks have been more forgiving with checking their customers' spending habits. He gave an example of a client who had excessive spending on takeaways under their bank statement. With the previous rules, the banks would have likely rejected the application. However, the story behind it was that they were remodelling their kitchen. When Royal presented this scenario to the bank, they got an approval. However, borrowers who might have been granted finance in December and January, had it not been for the triple CFA, are now facing other hurdles such as rising interest rates. Clients who can borrow at today's rates may also struggle should rates continue to rise. Easy Street mortgage broker Gareth Beale points out that buyers are unlikely to be able to borrow as much now as they would have a year ago. He said that test rates have leapt from 6% to more than 7%, making it less affordable for home buyers. And another issue is banks having low capacity for lending to people with a deposit lower than 20%. Veal said that some banks have been slow to embrace the July 7 changes to the triple CFA, while others have been quick to throw off the shackles. Veal suggests that applicants work with mortgage advisors so they don't run into finance problems with the banks. Velocity Head Evaluations James Wilson thinks it's too early to see if the July 7 changes have any real impact. Increasing interest rates are making potential mortgage clients more cautious as they are expected to keep rising in the short to medium term. Infometrics Chief Forecaster Gareth Kennan says with hindsight, it wasn't just the triple CFA that caused sale volumes to fall from December 21. It was interest rates that were creating a bigger impact. I personally think it was a combination of both of those things. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens moving forward. There's a few economists now that think that we're already at or at least close to the peak of this interest rate cycle. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next uh, year or so. Topic number four, stuff on the 25th of July, banks switch home loan battle focus. Cashbacks are becoming banks' favourite strategy as volatile interest rates are adding pressures on borrowers. The official cash rates lifted from a COVID low of 0.25% up to 2.5%, taking home loan rates from about 2% to more than 5% in some cases. In fact, most interest rates now are sitting around the 6% mark. There was some reprieve when three banks reduced their two-year special rates due to a drop in the cost of wholesale funding, but interest rate competition appears to be relatively muted. TSB has ended its special rate of 4.85% and replaced it with a 4.99% one-year offer for the next three weeks. Spokesperson Joe Bishop said that the rate was below what the four main banks were offering and came at a time when households were looking for ways to lower their costs. The big banks are advertising special rates between 5.25 and 5.35% for one year. Reserve Bank data shows that the banks are competing for a smaller mortgage market. There was $6.8 billion in new lending this May compared to $8.9 billion in May last year. 
broker Glenn McLeod from Edge Mortgages, said that the banks were competing most strongly with cashback offers. Kiwi Bank and BNZ are offering 1%, BNZ to a maximum of $20,000. These are payments paid out to borrowers when a loan is taken. However, he said that they were less likely to slash rates to attract customers. He said that with house prices coming back, some rooms opening up for the first home buyers to be able to purchase, but they'll need to have their bank statements and spending sorted. Loan market broker Bruce Patton agreed that cashback was the focus of the competition. Economists don't think that the Reserve Bank will need to increase the OCR to its 4% forecast, but last week's news of inflation hitting 7.3% made some reassess that forecast. My personal opinion is that with the Reserve Bank Governor coming out hard and fast with these OCR increases, it does tend to reduce the risk of the OCR reaching its 4% forecast. Fingers crossed. Hard and fast means that we'll get a, a quicker recovery. Okay. Topic number five, one roof on the 26th of July, what you'd need to sell your home for in order to fund your retirement. Homeowners considering selling their current property to downsize or fund their retirement might be in for a shock. Retirees who wish to sell their home must make a profit of at least $1 million if they've got no other savings. This amount doesn't include money they'd need to shell out for buying or renting another home. According to research by Massey University, a couple looking to enjoy a comfortable life in retirement would need a budget of $1,470 a week in the major cities and $1,176 a week in the regional centres. Currently, a couple could expect to get $752.22 a week from New Zealand Super, which leaves them facing a shortfall of between $22,048 and $37,324 a year, depending on where they live. A strategy of many Kiwi retirees to fill the money gap is to sell their home. However, while a rapid jump in house prices have delivered huge capital gains to property owners, the cost of typical downsized properties have risen too. In September last year, the median value of a new build apartment or terrace house in Auckland was just under $800,000, while the median value of existing homes in the city was $1.192 million. Homeowners in Auckland will need to have assets worth at least $1.8 million to afford a reasonable apartment and have money left over for retirement. While many Auckland homeowners will be able to afford a comfortable retirement, this might not be the case for retirees in smaller regional centres where cheaper apartment options are limited and selling a family home and downsizing can release only a few hundred thousand dollars. Research by the Financial Services Council in 2017 found that 25% of Kiwis expected to sell their home and move into a smaller one to fund their retirement. However, the findings also revealed that the average downsize gave movers an average of just 3.3 years of income and that 17% of retirees still had a mortgage on their home. How much spare capital Kiwis release after downsizing depends on where they want to live. Heritage suburbs such as Devonport, Mount Victoria and Māori Hill often have a shortage of suitable property to downsize to, which puts upward pressure on the price, reducing the amount of capital that can be extracted from the move. Moving within the same town can also be problematic. It's not unusual in the Hawke's Bay for downsizers to sell up the family home for between $700,000 and $1.1 million and look for lower maintenance new builds, says Stuart Christensen, 
General Manager at Central Region at Tremaine's Real Estate. However, the price of some new build homes on smaller sections can be as high as $1 million. Christensen said that his agents have a number of sellers that are looking to downsize or move to a retirement village, but some haven't been able to sell because of where the market's at. Harcourt's Nelson Richmond sales manager Chris Davies said it's not unusual for empty nesters from Auckland, Christchurch and even Tauranga to move to Nelson and Tasman just to downsize. So if you want to learn a few tips about how to improve your financial position for retirement without just relying on being able to downsize your own home, join me at one of our free live events, either online or in our office in Ellerslie Green Lane. Register at propertyapprentice.co.nz and I'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to This Week in Review.